are online, um, it is so good to be back with you. Um, <clears throat> I was going to say it's good to see you, but I only see parts of you up, up here and so on. <laughs> so, but it is, uh, it's just a delight to, uh, to be back with you. How many people doubted that we'd ever see spring when you woke up this morning? <laughs> uh, sometimes uh, the situation, the weather outside particularly uh, here in, in Canada, um, this is quite typical of uh, sort of the elusive nature of, of spring. Boy, did it feel like things were coming along. I, some neighbors were out uh, doing their lawns or aerating and that kind of stuff last week. And uh, <clears throat> I even had a neighbor offer to uh, lend me the machine to um, be able to aerate my lawn this weekend. Well, I didn't see him this weekend <laughs> um, because of obvious reasons. Um, this, uh, this winter uh, may have been a time uh, for you that you could have been just completely encouraged by a variety of, of different things that have happened. Um, one of the things that has been just such an encouragement for me is to listen to the last number of weeks of sermons that uh, Pastor Dennis has uh, uh, given uh, here at the church. Um, uh, sexual discipleship, uh, just I was brought to the point of tears many times as I uh, interacted with the Word of God and with the gospel message that um, was, was presented. And I just so appreciate um, my friendship with, with Dennis, um, and uh, I just also know that his heart is for uh, being able to speak and to, to live out what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But you know, uh, we all struggle with uh, those doubts uh, along the way, and I'm going to be just speaking a little bit about doubt and talking about a biblical character uh, that we probably have heard of. Who comes to mind, by the way, uh, when we think of doubting? So look at that, look at that. What a, what a, a name that uh, he has made for himself in terms of that. But I want to be able to actually um, be able to talk about uh, the, the life of Thomas um, and to, to show in many ways, his moniker, or you know, we usually call that like a name uh, with which we're familiar, um, is Doubting Thomas. Um, I really uh, think that in some ways, Thomas is a model of our faith journey um, as we take a look at his life uh, today. Um, the there are stories that we have heard, uh, all kinds of stories throughout history uh, of, of people who have come to Jesus Christ and who um, in, in many ways have uh, pointed to the fact that uh, Jesus Christ, the living and resurrected Lord, uh, has entered into their life 
and in fact has called them to that relationship. And from that relationship, uh, feel that sense of calling to, um, to tell others. Um, there's a story of a 30-year-old uh, young woman who um, had such an experience. Um, uh, and yet for probably 50 years or so as she served the Lord, uh, she had lots of episodes, uh, not just episodes, not just moments, but sometimes long stretches of doubt. What I've so appreciated about um, uh, Sunrise Community Church is the authenticity of the people who are here, um, the people who call this their church home. Um, I, I can't think of any one of you that, you know, sort of you know, comes and, and, and says, you know, I have my act all together. I don't think there's anyone here that would say that, right? <laughs> I don't think so. I can't think of anyone. And there, there's a, a way in which the lived reality of our journey of faith is often marked with periods of doubt. And so this morning, I want to be able to take a look at the life of Thomas so that that shadow of doubt can be lifted from our lives, even this morning. If you're in a place of, of doubt or, or of darkness, there is hope found in Jesus Christ. This period of time that we have been celebrating, the Easter time, marks the time in the, in the calendar that we celebrate the risen Lord. And these 40 days in which we're in now are, is a time in which uh, is called sort of that, that Easter tide, that Easter time, that we continue uh, to just marvel at what God has done in sending his son, his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him should have eternal life. And the remarkable sense of what God has done in stepping into history that he might uh, draw all persons to himself is just one of those seasons that we get to just marvel. And yet, often, Easter is marked by a day, a holiday weekend, and then we kind of get on with life. We sort of forget the absolute wonder of, of what God has done for us. And so just as a reminder during this Easter season, um, I, I know that doubts can creep in, that even though we've had these times, these remarkable times of, of seeing G, the risen Jesus Christ active in our own lives and active in the lives of our church, that there are times of doubt. And that doubt is not biblically defined as unbelief. It is not uh, it, it is not equated with that. Sure, there are times that we read in Scripture that even in this story that we'll be telling today, um, that Jesus says to Thomas, stop doubting and believe. In his helpful book, Oz Guinness, um, this book is called God in the Dark, 
the assurance of faith beyond a shadow of doubt is just an excellent book, probably the best book I know of, that kind of unpacks a biblical view of doubt. He does a marvelous job in pointing us to the fact that um, if we are human, we will doubt. Uh, if I were to ask you to raise your hands, and for those of you at home, uh, if you've had uh, any moment of doubt in your life, we would probably see hands go up all over the place. Um, and so I want to encourage us this morning that even though we see in the life of Thomas and, in fact, the life of all of the uh, early followers of Jesus, that their lives, too, had doubt, and Jesus walked with them as well. So what happened in the days following uh, Jesus' resurrection? And that's the kind of time that we're in now. So I'd have you turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Um, John is one of the accounts of, of Jesus' life. Uh, the Gospel of John is unique among the Gospel stories uh, in that John's whole purpose in, in writing this account is not uh, so much just a chronology of the life of Jesus, but that everything that he has written uh, in the Gospel is there marked as a story, an event, Whatever he is saying there is meant so that each of us would place our faith in Jesus Christ so that we too would believe. So we turn this morning to John's gospel and we see that in uh, this, I'm going to just take the time to be able to read um, the whole of chapter 20, although we'll focus our discussion more around the, the, the end part where Jesus appears to Thomas. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, while it was still dark, while it was still dark. I wanted to emphasize that because doubt often brings that shadow of darkness in our lives. What a word to us, even this morning, just in that phrase, that God understands this darkness and that he brings light to our lives. But he also brought light to Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the tomb or the stone had been uh, removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the, 
uh, burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated there where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned. She turned toward him and and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, she said. She told them, and she told them all the things that Jesus had said to her. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with, uh, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other, other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs 
in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. May God reveal his words to you today. In this whole resurrection story, uh, we see the, uh, the unfolding of, of, of the experiences of, of the first followers of, of Jesus. It's interesting that it was Mary Magdalene, one who had come out of a life of prostitution, but who had followed Jesus, that even though she had come to a place of, of, of following Jesus, yet she did not understand uh, what this whole resurrection thing was. We could see from the unfolding of her experience here that she was not necessarily believing fully that Jesus had risen from from the dead. In fact, um, she just continues to retell that story. She thinks that somebody has come and taken the body, which is actually one of the popular uh, traditional myths of what happened to Jesus' body was that somebody had just basically stolen the body. And uh, so we see here that Mary's life, even though she had spent time with Jesus Christ and she, and she knew him, there was yet a further knowing that she needed to know. How like this is of our experience that as Christ followers, we come to moments where it's almost that our unbelief, in some ways, our, our doubt is revealed by, by us not actually believing and, and taking action on what Jesus is leading us to do. And so it is also with Peter and John. Uh, John's hesitation at the, the tomb. He, he arrives there first, he's a faster runner, and uh, so he arrives there first, he's, he's probably completely out of breath, and, and you know, he, he looks inside the tomb, but he doesn't dare go in. Um, that moment of hesitation, that, that doubting, uh, what has actually taken place, the slower runner Peter comes in, and, and even though he sees the, the linen, uh, and, and the, 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 the linen that covers, was to, to cover Jesus' face, it actually is John who then comes in, the faster runner who is still waiting outside. He comes in and he's the one who we hear believes and places his trust in Jesus Christ. And we could probably look at many of the disciples, even, uh, even Peter uh, in, in, in chapter uh, 21, we'll, we could see and read there that um, you know, the disciples, they're kind of still sort of in this doubting period. <clears throat> Even though Jesus has uh, revealed himself uh, twice to them uh, in this story, um, Peter kind of sort of shrugs his shoulders and kind of goes, well, <clears throat> I'm going back to fish. <laughs> I'm going back to my previous vocation. Uh, Jesus, we remember, had said to him, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Come follow me. 
but Peter kind of has these, this recurring doubt situation going on. And that we could see from not only Jesus, uh, from, sorry, from uh, Peter's experience, but the other disciples as well. They go along with uh, Peter. And even, even when it comes to um, moments in, in our lives, we can think of times that we have doubted. And that for us, it often feels like we might be one of these earlier followers of Jesus Christ, that we too also doubt. What we see here <clears throat> from the life of Thomas is that the shadow of doubt, which is lingering in his life, um, is an example that we actually can see in our own lives. That even though Thomas was one of the chosen 12, <clears throat> he doubted. We too, first of all, we too see that God has called us. God has chosen us to be a part of his family. And we too find ourselves in this place of doubt. The specific interactions with Jesus that Thomas had would have what we would have maybe considered to be sort of irrefutable proofs that Jesus was the Son of God. If, as it is written, that Thomas is one of the twelve, he was there when the feeding of the 5,000. He was there when Jesus um, raised the little girl uh, from, from death. He was there when he brought healing and so are we. We are there when God is moving mightily among us. We are there when, when we are uh, caught in that, in that moment of worship when Jesus is, is revealing himself to us and we're comforted by his presence. So Thomas was probably comforted by the presence of Jesus when, when they were in situations where where even he was in this place of, of doubt. And there seems to be this kind of this gray area, uh, the sh shadow that we often walk in. And Jesus wants to make it very clear in Thomas's life and in our lives that we can place our whole weight upon, our whole trust upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But often we hold back. We it would uh, trust in uh, <clears throat> other languages is actually referring to uh, placing my whole weight upon something. So if I were to take this stand and I were to lean it out uh, so that uh, it only it was going to keep me from falling, that I had no chance of, you know, I'd have to trust that this would hold me up, right? Otherwise, I'd fall flat on my face. It's that kind of trust and faith. And often God brings us through the experiences, even allowing us to have experiences where we, we have been relying on our own strength or on other things in our lives that prop us up. And he allows us to experience that sense of failure or doubt so that we 
realize, we recognize, and we have revealed to us that only Jesus Christ is the one on whom we can trust. It was Thomas uh, who had an interaction, a specific interaction with Jesus. Jesus is predicting uh, and is saying what's going to be actually happening to him. Uh, He's talking to his disciples about where he will be going. Uh, And uh, Thomas says, well, where is it that you're going? How can we follow you when we don't know where you're going? And Jesus then says to him, well, he is the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's beginning to draw back the curtains, as it, as it were. He's laying it out bare for Thomas and the other followers that he and he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. Today in our culture and in our Uh, society and in our present moment in history experiencing um, a worldwide pandemic. Uh, There are all kinds of things that we uh, and others rely upon to kind of get us through. I know that for myself there have been times this particular winter which have been difficult, which have been uh, dark or that we've, I've experienced kind of almost like a dark night of the soul as some of the spiritual writers uh, call it. And it, it, it is probably um, Thomas's unique approach to, to, to this story that gives us hope that some of us are at that place that say, well, you know, on Jesus, unless Jesus shows up in just the way I want him to, I will not believe fully. There's still something there that I can hold on to just in case Jesus is not who he says he is. I'm going to lean into other things, other experiences. I'm going to put my faith and my trust in in family or in in other noble things, but, but they're not to replace our reliance upon Jesus Christ. Well, finally, we get to the lifting of doubt. And here we get right to the story of what happens. We don't know why Thomas was not there when uh, Jesus appeared first to the disciples. Uh, It was a time of commissioning uh, for the followers, the first uh, disciples of Jesus, the the apostles, as they were called. Uh, They... Apostles are those who have seen Jesus in the, in, in, in the flesh after his resurrection and were sent out. Um, and so quite possibly one of the commentators has, has said, you know, he, Jesus appeared a second time because Thomas wasn't there, you know, the, the, first, the first time. And, and the, this commissioning needed to include Thomas. And as many of you know, uh, Thomas actually did believe and did go on, as tradition has said, uh, into parts of India and is celebrated as the apostle uh, to that whole continent. And so many of us are finding ourselves in the same place as Thomas, in a place where we too have doubted, not just once, but maybe sometimes frequently. 
And I want you to know, as Oz Guinness points out, to be human is to doubt. It's not so much that doubt is unbelief, but that doubt is actually that, that space, so to speak, and if you can uh, see how this is faith or trust in Jesus, is this space and place over here where we are uh, leaning our whole weight upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And over here is a space and place where we have unbelief in Jesus Christ. Like sheer unbelief. I don't believe it. I'm not going to believe. And there's kind of a, it's, it's an intention. I'm not going to trust him in this situation in my life. I can't trust him. I won't trust him. But doubt is this space and place here. And this is what is a a biblical view of doubt, is that doubting, as we all do, can lead to unbelief. But doubting can also lead to belief, to faith, to trust. And Jesus is saying to Thomas, in this place here where you find yourself for the particular reason and the way that you've actually expressed that, saying, I won't believe unless I actually touch Jesus' wounds, that may or may not be your situation. You may just be lingering back. and You might be the uh, John, you know, sort of leaning against the tomb, kind of looking in, but not believing in that. Maybe you're like Mary Magdalene where, you know, the savior of the world, the one in whom you thought you were placing your hope and your trust, situation has been so overwhelming for you that you're now calling out and you're crying and you're saying, where is this Jesus? Where have they taken him? And there's this kind of hesitancy. This place in doubt is where we all find ourselves at one time or another. And I like the way Oz Guinness places, uh, talks about doubt. He actually talks about seven different reasons why we doubt. And this is why I invite you to maybe get a hold of this book because I found that there are, are different reasons why I might, might doubt. One might be that I, I really don't really know who Jesus is, or I, my picture of God might be faulty. Um, in other words, my picture of my life or life as it is might be that I, when I come to Christ, I will never experience any problems after that. Well, that's a faulty view of my life and of the life that God promises to us. He says, yes, in this world we will have trouble. So if I'm not understanding that, my doubt could be linked directly to my misunderstanding of, of what it means to place my faith and my trust in, in Jesus Christ. So he goes through seven different types. I'm not going to go through those today, but just to say that we all find ourselves in doubt 
for various reasons. And the longer we linger in that doubt, the more the pull is to unbelief. I've actually seen people who have made almost an idol of doubt, and you'll see it on social media, you'll see it in all kinds of writing uh, today, um, and so on. People who have actually claimed that they were Christians, and, but they, they made a, an, an idol out of doubting, and that doubting has caused them to disbelieve in Christ. And so there are three things that I want us to take away from our time together today. Number one, God has chosen you. Just like God has chose the early disciples, just like Jesus chose Thomas, God has chosen you to be his follower. What a blessing that is to know that God is calling out to each one of us, inviting us into that relationship with him saying, leave your life of sin and come and follow me. I will reshape your life. I will bring you into a new creation. I will, I will create in you what you were always meant to be. Yes, in this world you will experience trouble, but I want you to come. I'm inviting you. And so the first thing I want us to hear this morning is that Jesus Christ is still inviting us to open the door of our hearts. Often because of woundedness and life experiences, the door of our heart slams shut because we've been wounded in some way. But in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Whoever opens the door and lets me in, I will eat and sup with him. That was written to the church. So it's obvious that it's the church that Jesus Christ himself is saying, open the doors of your heart even wider. <laughs> Let me come into those places that you have held uh, almost sacred, those things that you have relied upon. So that's the first thing I want us to hear this morning is that Jesus has chosen you just like he chose the early disciples, just like he chose Mary Magdalene, just as he chose Thomas. The second thing I want to point out this morning is that God has revealed himself to us through his son, Jesus Christ, his birth, life, death, and resurrection, and Jesus has had specific interactions with every one of us already. Many of you, this is where, what we call sort of a, a Christian testimony of, of whatever type, uh, that Jesus has revealed himself to you in many different ways. And so often we're in such a hurry today, we just simply don't have time to sort of Pause and to see Jesus Christ interacting with us personally. And just as 
Just as Jesus interacted with the disciples and with Thomas and with Mary Magdalene through that period of time before his crucifixion, so Jesus Christ has interacted with us. There's a lived life and an experience that, that Jesus is drawing us to. It's not just a calling, say, hey, you over there, come over here. He's saying, I am with you, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so we can be assured this morning that Jesus Christ is wanting to, to walk with us through those, uh, through those times when we ourselves need to experience the cross that Jesus has laid before him. In scripture it says we are to pick up our cross and to follow Jesus Christ. That, my friends, is hard to do. It is probably one of the most difficult things that any one of us would probably find ourselves in. But that which feels death-like to us, God is inviting us to pick up that cross and to follow him because he knows the way. Because he says here that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So that's the second thing. The first thing is that God has chosen us and that secondly, God is revealing himself to us in the everyday, ordinary experiences of life. He's walking with us and he's showing us how he is present with us. And thirdly, that God promises us and others that he is with us in our doubt. He doesn't give up on us in our doubt. The post-resurrection appearances of Jesus provide a window into the gentle, effective, and person-specific care the Savior employs to lead his people from a state of disequilibrium and fear to a state of equilibrium and hope. During a time of pandemic or economic difficulties or whatever state you might find yourself in, and I could probably tell you stories of how in my own life there have been difficulties which I have felt like were insurmountable. A loving, dear mother with Alzheimer's. A father who just passed away recently. Family members who have walked away from Jesus Christ. Difficulties that each of us would encounter often places us in a period or a time of doubt. And God promises that he will be with us and gently help us through from doubt to belief. I'm going to read that little section again because it's so rich with words that encourage us this morning. The post-resurrection appearances of Jesus provide a window, a view, a perspective 
into the gentle, effective, and person-specific care. That means Jesus Christ is fully aware of what you are encountering today. What has maybe taken years to unfold in your life. Possibly things that you're encountering that you just are seemingly over, overwhelming to you. But Jesus is opening that window into that gentle, effective, and person-specific care that he employs to lead his people, you and me, from a state of our disequilibrium and the shadow of doubt and fear to a state of equilibrium, clarity, light, and hope. Well, do you remember when I first uh, started speaking about the 30-year-old woman who, as if Jesus had revealed himself to her personally and called her into a relationship with herself, spent years uh, in that particular calling, and in later years after her death, her memoirs pointed to the struggle that she had with doubt. Her name was Mother Teresa. Interestingly enough, even those heroes of faith that we see and that we can point to, they don't live perfect lives. They live in surrender to the perfect life, Jesus Christ. Thomas's life was marked by a particular way of doubting. In fact, um, many point to the fact that um, this is kind of characteristic of our day and our age, where everybody seems to need a proof. Well, what's the proof that Jesus raised from, was risen from the dead? What's the proof that God exists? What's the proof, proof, proof? The scientific method, the enlightenment, all of the proof, we need it. Now, the proof is there. But if we allow that desire for proof all the time to be a hindrance to us coming to Jesus Christ, that's being a Thomas. Thomas is the first person in the Gospels to declare with absolute clarity that Jesus Christ is God. Not just a good teacher, you know, not just a historical person, but that Jesus is God. Because he declares, there's no proof there that Thomas actually put his finger in the side. I know paintings will sometimes have, you know, the picture of Thomas putting his fingers in the side of Jesus or touching his, his hands. Jesus certainly invites him to, but there's no proof to say that he actually did touch him. And Thomas declares, my Lord and my God. He's saying that Jesus is God. Irrefutable proof. Where are you today? Are you in that place of lingering in doubt? Maybe making even an idol of doubt? (laughs) My friend, the longer you linger in doubt, the easier it is 
to drift toward unbelief. And this is why the last point that I will leave with you is that we need a community. We need a community of faith. Notice that it was the other disciples who went and got Thomas, (laughs) who told Thomas, hey, you weren't here when Jesus first appeared to us. And somehow, we're not told how, but that Thomas now comes for the second appearing of, of Jesus Christ. We need each other, my friends, to help us to stop doubting and to believe. And even in the midst of our belief, we can see that it's a continual struggle, like the life of Mother Teresa. She didn't live a perfect life. And she doubted. So may we be encouraged today that the Lord Jesus Christ is calling to us, is opening the door wide. He's knocking at the door. He's opening that window that we might experience life with him, that we would lay down those doubts and not demand that we need every little last proof and that we walk a life of faith with Jesus Christ in an ongoing way. That's why I like coming to this body of believers here. It's because I see before me people who are on that journey and who love being a part of this body and encouraging each other. May you be encouraged today to go to someone around you, maybe tapping somebody on the shoulder here that you, know, you might know is struggling with something. Maybe just to spend time and say, let's come to Jesus together. Let's journey this road together in faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the life of Jesus Christ. That even in the lives of the early disciples, we see ourselves reflected in their unbelief, in their doubt, but ultimately in the way that they place their faith and their trust in you, and that they rely upon the, your presence being with them through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the worship songs, Lord, this morning that uh, put into words and put into song and melody that, that we could be reminded of and we could enter into these moments when we reflect on the triune God and, and all that you have done for us. Help us to live into this Easter season being reminded day after day to stop doubting and to believe, to walk it out in this journey of faith. And that even when we encounter difficult times and we know that the disciples, the early disciples, each one uh, died a martyr. And we might consider that to be sort of an ultimate difficult spot to be in. But each one of them were following right through to the end. We thank you, Lord, for this grand story, this grand sweeping story that we can celebrate every moment of every day for every day throughout the year. Not just these 40 days, but thank you, Lord, for the body of Christ where you are uh, 
helping us to walk by your living and active word and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for this body of Christ that as they lift up their pastor and their pastor family in prayer throughout the time that he is away, um, that they would be comforted by your spirit, that you would empower each person here today in the hearing of my voice, whether here in person or through Zoom or online. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to follow faithfully after you, being those who come alongside others to encourage people toward faith in Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray, amen.